Welcome to Self-Directed. We are your hosts, Cecilia and Jesper Conrad. And now it's time to welcome this week's guest. Today we are together with uh, Jen Keith and uh, Sandra Dodd uh, wrote to us after one of our podcast interviews with her and she said, you should really talk with Jen. And all I did was look up your website and saw the about page where I saw you with a coffee mug where it said, do epic shit. And I was like, yes, we are in. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) So welcome to our podcast. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you so much, Jesper and Cecile. I'm, as I said, I'm grateful to Sandra for sharing my name with you. And I'm grateful that you guys are doing this work because it's, it's such an important thing to understand. And it's such an, as you both well know, an incredible option for families who commit to really learning how to do it well. So thanks for having me and thanks for doing this podcast in general. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I agree. It was one of our really big challenges in the beginning. Also being from Europe where unschooling is just a small scale thing from a country where unschoolers, you could count them on one hand when we started. All the information was American and it's not the same. It's not the same culture. It seemed so very far away and so privileged for them because they were in their hundreds and you know, they could meet up with each other and we just needed information. So now we're trying to give back now that we are a bit down the road, kind yeah. of know what we're doing. <laughs> Though it, we w- would all agree constantly evolving, right? Every time yeah. you think I've got a good handle on this, you realize, oh, there's this whole next level that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And Jen, as you also have... Uh old children not old old but like teens we would love to talk about that but first i think it could be wonderful to hear how it started for you and a little bit about the start because i know a lot of the people who are listening in and considering unschooling and homeschooling it it can be overwhelming to listen to people who are just like oh it's so easy we're just doing it and all of us have had doubts and fears so if you could share a little about your your road down to to unschooling Yeah, I would love to do that. And I agree. It's so important. You can tell by my sip of water, I'm getting ready for a long one. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Let's go. (laughs) I started out very messy, very, very messy. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm from the Boston area. It's a, an academic Mecca here. There's a big emphasis on not necessarily learning, but formal education and people start kids in pre, you know, their names are on the list when they're pregnant. Like it's, it's a very dramatic scene for education. Um, so there was that element of it. There was also an element that I had some mental health issues, pretty significant, but not severe. And so I had my own sort of demons I had to work through, right. And like figure out all of that. So I didn't start out in a great place to do any, I started out actually in a horrible place to do any of this. What I knew now, my oldest will be 16 next week, which is beautiful and just bittersweet in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, When we were, when I was pregnant with Owen, we had a nursery for him. We had the letters up on the wall. We had the crib and that baby was sleeping in that crib from his first night home, no matter how hard he tried to manipulate us by crying. We were set. Everything was ready. This baby was not going to disrupt our lives. Then, of course, I met him (laughs) and my entire (laughs) world changed. And it was in that moment of meeting. I haven't told this in so long, so I might get his 16th birthday is next week. I might get a little. I'm getting emotional. So you just go on. Oh my goodness. It's really, this is such serendipitous time for this interview. Um, So I met him and my whole world changed. And in that very moment, I, I didn't realize it, but I felt it that I just, I wanted to be better for him and I wanted him to have better than what I had in terms of, not that I had a terrible childhood, that's not what I'm saying. I recognized all through my own childhood that I needed more um, 
ability to choose. I needed support in different ways. I, I, those first 12 years of schooling were not pleasant for me. So I, now I can look back when he was born and realize everything shifted in that very moment from the moment that not only didn't we use that crib for him, we never put the kid down ever. He wanted to be with us all the time. So he majorly disrupted our lives. Thank goodness. So we learned about, I learned about attachment parenting and that was just felt like a gift from the angels because all of a sudden I wasn't the weirdo who wouldn't let my baby or wouldn't leave my baby to cry. Um, I wasn't the weirdo who was really prioritizing a baby's needs. Um, I wasn't the weirdo anymore who didn't want to leave my baby for a mom's weekend away. I wasn't the weirdo who didn't think I deserved a break. So that was the beginning of our unschooling journey, learning about attachment parenting, finding Dr. Sears, finding others who were doing it. When Owen got to be school age, which is five or six years old here in the Boston area, I felt like I was just starting to learn how to be um, a better human and like work through my own mental health issues. And our relationship had started to improve. I had used timeouts a little bit when he was younger and I had realized I didn't need to do any of that. And so I remember it was one beautiful fall day, just like one that we have here right now. I was standing in the road with my two kids who were three and five, I guess, at the time. And I felt like we were finally getting how this whole family thing worked. And he was scheduled to start school. And I thought, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. I'm just getting this. I'm Mm. just starting to be a good mom. Like we're just starting to form this connection that I always dreamed parent and child, you know, could have for us. And so I first started telling people, oh, we're holding him back because he just barely made the cutoff date. And I didn't want to tell anybody because homeschooling, I mean, this was now, you know, 15, 10, 11 years ago, it wasn't common and it was not common in New England at all. And certainly not in my circle. So anyway, a friend introduced me to Sandra's work. And I had been tormented about the fact that in a few short months, Owen was going to be going to school. And I was devastated, devastated about the thought that we would be losing him. And by the way, we had tried a couple of preschool stints. Um, We tried this amazing Reggiano preschool. It was an Italian. They had six kids. They baked their own fresh organic bread every day. I mean, it was like the best preschool you could find. And the teacher, he cried the first day I left him. And I listened to the teacher who told me to just leave him. He'd be fine. And that was the moment where I now know I cannot. And I, you know, I called my husband who was at work at a high rise office building in a corporate meeting in Boston. He stepped out of the meeting. We have a lot that we argue about. This is one of his strengths. He stepped out of that meeting and he said, go get him. He said, she's not his parents. We are. Go get him. Yeah. So I did. I went back. And that was the beginning of the beginning for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found I was introduced to Sandra's work from my friend Vanessa. And as soon as I started reading her work, I thought, oh, my God, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is how we keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just a you said shit. So I'm going to assume I can swear on this. Oh, it yeah. Is- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're from it Denmark. Was- All is good. <laughs> Okay, good, good. It was just a shitload of work on my part to learn how to get to the place where we are now. Um, My own personal mind, my, of course, my preconceptions about education, which I love talking about. I have a background in education, a small background, but I do have a background in education. So I love, especially now that I'm in the teen years, I love deconstructing those and looking at how they're all bullshit. Um, But It was so, and and really, you know, I I just, I say this every time I talk, it was Sandra's work, reading a little bit of her work every single day. And that's Mm. what she tells us to do. Not just her work, read a little, try a little, wait a little, watch, right? And that is what got us here. I didn't take a crash course for a month anywhere. I read from from Sandra and people Sandra recommended Sometimes it was five minutes a day. Sometimes I got 30 minutes a day. But sure enough, over the course of a few years, I am an, well, now it's many years, but I am an entirely different person, an entirely different mother. We have an entirely different dynamic that revolves 100% around our family and our children. Like mm-hmm. you guys. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who thought that was a thing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's been, well, I can just very much relate. There was no way we could have known what it would become. 
No, yeah, yeah. Did you become? Oh. No, I was just thinking about back the day. We we actually put ours in a nursery, uh, and I remember, you know, peeling off his fingers from my arm. And when you told that story, I just got ah oh, fuck. Oh, make, Jasper, I no, but to make people think it's normal. Yeah. That's why. Well, I mean, I, I can live with the mistakes we have done, but but I, I get sad and angry that. People are standing there saying to you, oh, it's okay that he cries for 10 minutes. And then you actually get in doubt about your inner emotions. You're standing there with a child that is crying and you are just thinking this is wrong. And then the people in, in the professional level is saying to you, it's all right. But everything, the whole narrative is telling you it's all right. And they're telling you the kids will be missing out if they're not part of this. Even even kindergarten, and they're telling you they need professionals, they need same age kids, they need stimulation, all of this. Yeah. So you think you're doing the right thing, and you're when not. When I was yeah, when I was pregnant with Owen, everything was fine, and it wasn't a bad a bad situation, just temporarily. When I was a few months pregnant with Owen, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, very traumatic. It was very awful. It was this. I mean, a pregnant woman with cancer, that's terrible, right? Yeah. So then Owen was born and the 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 cancer situation went on for a little bit after he was born. And of course, I was discovering I didn't want this baby to, of mine to cry. I wanted to be for him. Mm -hmm. And the pediatrician that we had at the time, who is wonderful, I still think very highly of her. But speaking, Cecile, to what you said about the professionals, thinking these are the people we should be listening to. When Owen, you know, I was talking to her about all of this. I don't want to leave him to cry. It doesn't feel right. Her her thought for me was, well, I think that you're probably spoiling him because of the cancer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. If yeah. there isn't anything more fucked up than that, like, yeah, I just. Yeah, yeah, totally. But at the time, Jesper, to your yeah. emotion, at the time, yeah. I listened. Of I course. didn't make changes, thank goodness, but I listened. No, no, and it gives you an inner conflict about about the measurement we have, which is our feelings, which is how we figure out what is right and wrong. And if you you are actually told you cannot tr trust your own instinct, and that is that that is wild. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cecilia. We're interrupting our own podcast just to make sure that you know that I am available if you want to talk to someone who has lived the unschooling life, who has traveled the world, who has beat cancer, who has been the mother of four amazing children. Luckily, I still am the mother of four amazing children. I know about life when it's hard. I know about life when it's complicated. I know what you need is probably most of all, someone who will understand the special world that you are in as an unschooling parent. Even with your trauma and your personal history getting in the way, what I do really is to be a loving support, a rock. And I do it on the base that I am a trained psychologist. I have worked with a lot of people with a lot of different situations. I am so ready to be your support, the one that you need to get some confidence and be strong in your journey as an unschooling parent. So don't hold back. I give a 20-minute conversation for free. You can talk to me on the phone or in a video call and just see if it's a match. If you want to connect, you can find me on social media or find me on my website, ceciliaconrad.com. If you're a Danish speaker, I have a Danish website, ceciliaconrad.dk, and we can find those 20 minutes and see how it goes from there. And now back to the podcast. That is so much wrong on so many le levels with the common narrative about childhood. Even the idea that you can spoil a newborn. What? 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 I, I get it. You could spoil a 10-year-old. You totally you could, but you can't spoil a nursing child. I mean, when they are so small, there is can no you... way you can. It's really wrong. It's and so I started blogging at that time when I had those insights. It's about the same time frame as yours. Well, I started blogging twelve years ago. Yeah, twelve years ago, and I did because of that because. This is the common narrative. And every time I speak to someone, 
I say the same things. I have to say them over and over and over. And and when I see in mainstream media and I see the little brochure at the doctors and I see, I get a letter from the government telling me now your child is this age and they need to learn to walk in traffic or start in kindergarten, whatever. All of this information that is floating out there, all of it is wrong. It's based on wrong assumptions. And I just felt we need some more voices. Someone has to sing another song here. So that's what we're and- doing. It's it's and it's so important and and it's why I'm so grateful that you all are doing this because I agree with you completely Cecile and and since we've been doing this about the same time frame I wonder if you've observed the same thing that I have noticed in the last dozen years. The conversation is changing. 12 yeah. years ago, when you would see let's on Facebook for example, a, a thread about spanking, excuse me, or a thread about timeout or a thread in some way and in, in some other way that might be really um detrimental to a child it used to be yes of course you have to spank them they're not going to know how to you know be respectful the conversation was always pro hurting the child and i am noticing this last 18 24 months way more of those comments now are why would you ever do that to a child like there's this thing i haven't watched it i don't want to know about it. it is too devastating whatever it is with this egg thing i don't want to know i don't know if you've seen this Parents are doing something really mean to their kids with eggs. And I'm not, it's like, I don't, do you guys know who Jimmy Kimmel is? This is a better one. Do you know about his, this is something, oh, it's so upsetting. He used to do this, have parents do this trick at Halloween to their kids. He'd have, do you, do you know about this? He'd have the, the parents pretend they were taking all the candy and the kids couldn't have it. And they'd videotape the reaction and show it on the air. Horrible, horrible. Horrible. The conversation, oh, disgusting. And and a group of us actually got together to try to figure out how the heck do we stop this? But that conversation six, eight years ago was, ha ha, this is the funniest thing. Look at, oh my God, I got to try that. Now, I don't even know if he's doing it anymore because the comments now are, why would you ever do this to a child? Mm -hmm. So the work that we're all doing that started long before our 12 years ago I feel like it is starting to have an impact. People are getting educated about this and that feels really hopeful to me. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. We had the spanking conversation before on the podcast and here's something for you. In our country, spanking is illegal. So for me, even when you mention it now, I'm like, are they insane in the States? Yes. For me, it's it, and it's what 25 years ago they yeah. banned it. And at that point, no one was doing it. It was just an old law. No one had like, you know, eliminated the right for parents. Right. It was a technicality. Children. They had taken it out of the school. No one could spank the kids except the parents. And then they, you know, they needed to remove that law too. And they did just about when we had, I had our, I had our first child on my own. And then we met and he adopted her. Adopted her. Yeah. So when I had my first child 25 years ago, just about there, that law was changed. But no one was actually really spanking anyone at that point, I think. And if they did, they would not tell anyone about it. It would be really. Yeah. And, and so in, so when you talk about it in the States, I'm always like, what? No, but what, what makes me ponder most about this? And I'm like, that it's weird to think that to look at, OK, my child is. I don't even like the word behaving. It means that the child should be in a certain way, but that is the language they would speak. My child is misbehaving. It gets a slap and now my child is behaving. So what you're teaching your child is one, fear the person who should be the most important to you, who should be your connection, who should be your everything. uh, And you can solve stuff with violence. If you have Absolutely. a conflict, it can be solved with violence. And I mean, that, that's not the best future to, and to, to them. To, to, to agree with you on that, we are also teaching our children, everybody loves this buzzword. No, it is not a buzzword. Uses it as a buzzword about consent. Why don't we understand consent more? Why? And they'll say consent, consent, consent. And then, Jesper, to your point, we are teaching, uh, we are insisting that our children understand that it, uh, they are not in control of their bodies. They are not in charge of their bodies. Somebody, it is up to somebody else what happens to their body. And mm-hmm. so we're not just teaching the victim in that case. We're teaching the perpetrator. Our bodies are not ours 
no. so yeah, it's it's yeah. I haven't seen the Halloween prank, but I have seen another thing that shocked me. I got off Facebook because it shocks me too much. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. I saw a sibling T-shirt, a get-along T-shirt. That was yes. a thing at the point that shocked me really very much. So they would put siblings who fight, and they would have to share the T-shirt, and they would write something like, we get along or whatever. And they'd have to wear the same T-shirt being like tied to each other until they would, would um, start behaving. And these are, I've written about that one in the past. I agree. I mean, it, it, what's the, what is, what, what, is, what is that solving in that situation? Horrible. Really. Um, but though these issues to me are such a great example of the change that I was talking about, like within myself, because it's not, we all, being on this side of things, we all know none of us is getting it right all the time. Even for me still, a lot of the time I'm not getting it right. I still revert to old behaviors. And I think, where in the hell did that come from? But it's not about that we never put our kids in the get-along shirt. It's about that we're questioning, why are we putting our kids in the get-along shirt? And am I putting my kid in the get-along shirt is that what do I think that's going to accomplish? And is there something in here that I need to figure out? Do I not have the time to be able to work through this with them? Do I not have the resources to have the, am I working three jobs and I just don't know what else to do? Um, is it just that I have old information? Am I dealing with my own inner demons? That's not, you know, that's making me just latch onto what somebody else. But for me, that is the change. I've done 3 million and 17 more than that wrong things probably yesterday. <laughs> but yeah. for me, it is always, wait, why am I doing that? Is that true? Or is that just what we've accepted? to be true or the solution or the the proper way to do things. I think also it comes, I agree with you, but, and I'm just adding to it. It, it also, it has to do with this deeper level of parenting where a lot of, especially women, and I think because of the women's liberation and women now have educations and they're expected to live their lives just like men, have nice careers and fancy clothes and big salaries and do all the same things as men would do in, in our parents' generation. They technique their life. It becomes a technique. becomes a job, basically. All of it. So you technique your looks. You have this facial cream and the face yoga, very fashionable at the moment. And uh, you do the gym three times a week because that's the technique that would keep your body look like you're still 17. And you technique the childhood. You have to make them do specific things. It's almost like there's a chart and you can tick the boxes. Okay, this is my 16-year-old. He has to be like that, do like that. And the, the conversations we're having is about this and the problems we have will be like that. And they, they go through this as if it's some sort of manuscript, some sort of... They want the ten a ten step process to change whatever this thing is. Yes, I agree, and we want to check it off. They don't get to live. Then everything is a project, and there's no heartbeat. There's no present moment because everything is on the to do list. And I just feel so sorry for so much life going down the drain. So many moments that could have been moments that are tasks, and and I think maybe um, this T shirt problem is within that problem because you think oh hey that's a technique i can fix their fighting by giving them this t-shirt people on the internet say if i do that that will fix it there's nothing in be- it's as if there's nothing in between no thinking which uh, is- yeah 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 but yes it makes me think about a, uh, a subject we have been talking about where one of the things we really wish deeply for our children is that they end up knowing who they are themselves and that they rest inside themselves. Where I think that uh, the way I've grown up, I've grown up with getting grades and everything, and it was important to have a career and all that. So for me, life is still projects. It is, I'm not sure I will, I will succeed in letting totally go of uh, putting things into a schedule like that and just be happy 
for just being. Uh, and I think that is one of the gifts I hope that we give our children through homeschooling and unschooling, that they will end up being happy for just being alive and being present and around people. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, just a short interruption as I have a small message about some of the things I'm working on. My name is Jesper Conrad. It is my pleasure to invite you to become a less stressed dad. I know how it is to be stressed out. My wife had cancer. I have four kids and I had a long career and had to like juggle everything at the same time. And it's hard. It's sometimes hard to be a dad. It's hard to be the breadwinner if that's what you are. That's what I've been in our family where my wife have been at home with our children. And it takes its toll. And one of the things that really help is to talk with someone else about it. And that is why I've created the Better Dad Institute together with my good friend, Martin Cook. And at the Better Dad Institute, we have dad circles where we meet up uh, once a week and just talk about life as a dad because sharing actually is super, super healing in the process of being a dad. To just hear that someone else is working through the same problems that you are is um, very, very giving. And if you're into more like a one-on-one thing, then I would happily help you and share my experience of being a dad to four wonderful children and having a wonderful relationship with my wife and being a full-time travel dad, how I have juggling everything at the same time, having a career and how I have learned to get those shoulders down, to, to actually be very happy in my life. Of course, the stress can like pop up, but then I have the techniques I've learned and which I would love to teach you. So reach out at the betterdadinstitute.com. And if you want to get directly in contact with me, then it's betterdadinstitute.com slash Conrad. I look forward to hearing from you and um, have fun. And now on with the podcast. That's so beautiful. You're who I want to be when I grow up. I I agree. I strive for that. And I'm I'm further back from that point than than you guys are. And I feel like it is in so many ways, I agree, Jesper, that this is what this life can potentially set our kids up for. First, by the removal of all these systems and structures that are saying, this is what makes you successful. This is what makes you worthy. This is this is what makes you disconnect from all those people sitting in that classroom for you, because really you're in this group, you're in this group, you know, you're this kind of person, you're that kind of person. And also, I feel like when we commit to learning how to unschool well, the process that we go through, even if it's on not as as significant a level as as you were just talking about, the process that we go through, we, in order to unschool well, we have to engage in that process. We have to engage in being in our bodies and here and now and breaking down all those barriers and and traumas that we've had in our own life so that we can fully connect with our kids. And I just believe that 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 alone, I mean, that's not alone, that's huge, is setting them up to be so much closer to what you just described than what we all probably had growing up, because it's real. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really wanted when I was a child was my parents' attention. And for many reasons, and I'm not blaming them as such, but they didn't have much bandwidth for that. And what I see today is that the family life that we have is very much about spending time together. And the more real I am, and I am real, I took that was so one of my first wild insights when I had my first child 20 almost five years ago was I'm never going to lie to this person I have to be true she has to trust me if she does not trust me in everything I will lose it all I have no I have no cards on my hand to try to help her into this life so she needs to trust me and I need to be fully me so that she knows who she's trusting and I have four children and I, I go to great lengths to make sure that I am 
honest with them. Yesterday, one of my kids asked me, are you having a good time? We were at some friend's house. And honestly, I wasn't. <laughs> Not that I, it was very meaningful for me to be there. And I love these friends. And please don't be offended. But <laughs> no, but my daughter was having a lot of fun celebrating a birthday. There was a lot of teenagers and it was great. But I was working too much. It was raining cats and dogs. And I hate rain. It's been raining for several months. Everything was damp. We live in a van. Uh, my friend was really exhausted, the one we were visiting. So I felt my job was to just do as much as I could, do the dishes, cook for 15 people three times, two times a day. And, you know, just put in my energy. So while I'm having a good time, I had a meaningful time, but I wasn't hanging out. <laughs> so, And that's just one example. She She got a little... Oh, but I'm not answering her to please her. I'm answering her to be an honest, authentic person that she talks to. And I can tell her, this is my experience. And I'm happy you're having fun with the teens. And I'm happy to bake the cake. And I'm happy to clean up after it. But I'm not chilling. It's not, you know, it's not a party for me. It's work. So I think for them to know who they are and feel good about who they are, they need some leading examples who can be who they are and will be authentic and present and vulnerable with them so that they know that when you are that, you're still loved because it goes both ways. I very much am dependent on my kids. I need them in my life. I'm not some sort of, I don't know, support structure system. I'm a human being and I'm their mother. My trajectory in life is to to unfold my motherhood. So if I don't have that connection, I suffer just as much as they do. And I think it's very, very important for them to know that, that, you know, we need each other both ways and we're real people. And that what you just described, I think, sounds so appealing to so maybe even just so scary to other people to being like who you are and being honest and the feelings you might hurt along the way. You know, even like you mentioned, your daughter was taken aback that you weren't mm-hmm. having the same fantastic time that she was, right? Mm-hmm. But I have had this, I, I didn't learn it early on. This is the last few years for me about telling the truth all the time. But I I relate to that experience, Cecile, of being able to say to my kids, you know, no, that wasn't actually enjoyable for me, but I am so happy to be there with you guys while you get to experience all this joy. Um, and I I do believe I am seeing in their teen years now that that does build a trust, but not a superficial, like a real deep Mm. trust because they know that you have told them the truth, which is counterintuitive, not counterintuitive. I think it's very intuitive. It's not the messaging that we get about being honest about these types of things, right? And even coming to like conversations about the past. My oldest is 16. My youngest is 13, almost 14. And in my own friend circles, we've had conversations like, how much are you telling your kids about your past? My kids are getting older. I'm being more truthful with them than I ever thought they would be, than I ever thought I would be because I learned a lot from the mistakes that I made. Mm. I want them to know me. I want them to know when they fuck up, I've done worse. (laughs) I want, you know, like I want them to, you no shame with me. (laughs) Life goes on. You know, I, I, I try. So it's radical to say you've told them everything because obviously you haven't given them a minute to minute report of what everything that ever happened in your life. But I have no secrets. I have a general rule of having no secrets. Secrets are very toxic actually in life. So get rid of secrets. And I don't have secrets for my kids either. There are things that don't seem that relevant. And when they were your hours are age appropriate, age appropriate. Yes. Yeah. So, but you can always give them a version of the truth that is just to scale with where they are. My first child didn't have a father. So the story is he was tall and he was blonde and he was not there when I woke up. And, and so I told her when she was little that there was no father, just like, you know, single women having a child in the clinic. I had a child by accident. And in the beginning, I just told her, you don't have a dad. And then when she was a little older, I could tell her, 
more nuances to the story. And and but but if I had told her everything when she was a year and a half and realized all the other kids had a father, she would just feel that she was missing out or something was really strange or someone didn't want her, which is not the case. So I wanted a truthful explanation for her that would also be in harmony with the emotional truth of it. And that's very hard to explain to a 1.2-year-old who realizes all the other kids have a father. What's that thing, father? What what does that what's that all about? I just told her we don't have that. Just like we're vegetarian, we don't eat meat. You don't have that. And then as the years went on, I could explain more about what happened and why she didn't have a dad and what 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 that dad concept was all about. So in that way, no, I haven't told them everything. A, because it's very highly impractical to try to tell someone everything. And B, because some things are just not, okay, some things are not relevant and some things are not appropriate. Yeah. I think that's and that. some. Yeah. Sometimes telling the truth is, you know, Owen, I really am not comfortable sharing this with you right now. Maybe when mm-hmm. you're a little older, like, so, you know, sometimes that can be and that has been a truth in our house, too. Like, I do have I do have a story there, Owen, and I'm not comfortable sharing that with you at mm-hmm. this point. And I like that, too, because it also it gives them permission to know they don't always have to tell people things if they don't want to no, tell people everything. things. No. Yeah. At least don't yeah. lie about it. You know, that's I have a story here. I'm not going to talk about it. it makes me sad. That's a game changer. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm feeling too sad to to go there today. Yes. Th- that idea of telling the truth changes a whole life t- trajectory. That's mm-hmm. new for me. That's not something that I've had since becoming a parent, but that's an amazing, amazing gift to yourself and others. Advice. It's a good piece of advice, whether you want to unschool or not, just don't lie to your kids. And it's, it, or to anybody. And it's not actually as hard as yeah, I thought it was to do, to kids, especially to your kids. You. No, Especially yeah. To your kids, because what you yeah. need in your relation, whether it's a, a task with a to do list and you consider it more of a job in life, or you're the radical weirdo, I think was your word in the beginning. Right. You still will love your children unconditionally and you want the best for them and you really want to be able to take care of them. And the problem is, is there is no trust. You can't take care of them. They will not obey you throughout their entire life. But if they trust you, they will come to you as the first or the second or maybe the third person when they're in trouble and you get to help them. Whereas if they don't trust you, you'll never know when their life falls apart. And that is what would freak me out if I knew my daughter wouldn't call me the morning she wakes up crying. She wouldn't call me. She would call everyone else. I'm so happy I'm the one she's calling or actually it's very often you, to be honest. So it's therefore lying is not good, but lying to your children is shooting yourself directly into the foot. It's building a distance. Yeah. Yeah. There's this thing going around Facebook that, or maybe it's a t-shirt. I don't know this, this idea of, I want to be the one, my child, when my child is in trouble, I want to be the one they run to, not the one they run away from. Oh, Mm. yes. (laughs) Which, yes, it's true. And. I would love for that to be followed up with there are some choices that we have to make to reach that point. We can't just say, come to me. I promise I won't be mad. We're showing them whether or not they can come to us from the moment they're little up until forever. We're telling them with every choice, every interaction, whether we can, they can come to us or not. That is years of lived life. And that is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds hundreds of hours of conversation when when we talk about moral standards what's the right choice to make in a certain situation at this point now we have this 24 year old daughter who lives by herself not she lives with her boyfriend in Copenhagen so she's not with her every day with us every day but we have a 17 year old son who's with us every day and he's actually become the moral anchor of our family he's the one I'm sorry to say, <laughs> but he's very you're, you're doing it well. Say, you know what? The the ethical, eth- ethical, is that yep. a word? Yep. Choice. Mm-hmm. The right thing to do right now would be this. So why don't we go do that? And it, it's and he is there because he's a, because he is who he is. It's not my I can't own that. But one of the reasons that he has this way of reasoning is that we've been discussing 
ethics over his entire life. And he knows why we choose to do this and why we choose to do that and why we, and the whole discussion, the hours of hours of talking about things, they are present for it because they're not sent away to school or in bed. Right. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. They're there with you as, as you live life together, like Mm -hmm. dealing with all the, the choices that come your way and all of the decisions that have to be made. They're, they're in that with you. And that is so wildly different than how I grew up being away from all of that most of the day. Dining at the kitchen, at the children's table. I did that as a child. My children enjoy the adult all around age conversation. Because you enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. We can talk about whatever. You like you being something. with them. You have yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yes. no yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's, uh, it's the, um, the, the website, Jen, is called Pondering Jen. Yes. So I'm pondering about what you're pondering about. <laughs> so that, that website is pondering myself. Why am I the way I am? Yeah. Why do I have these reactions to things? And I've, I, I am so proud of myself for how much better I am in the last few years. I'm so proud of myself. I've put in such consistent work to be such a happier, more uh, responsive instead of reactionary person. But that website really started after a mental health breakdown where I really had to start to rebuild myself and really understanding wait a second, I actually do get to choose how I am, who I am, and what my life looks like. I got that on some level when we just, when we decided to unschool the kids, of course, because that's, I mean, I forget how how radical that is. I forget how radical it is the way we live because we've been doing it for so long. But I mean, Yeah, I forget I, unschool. I mean, we just, you don't get up in the morning to unschool. No, but then you do. I mean, you get up and you brush your teeth and you start doing stuff. You don't do not stop. I told totally you that one. I'm I'm forgetting I'm unschooling. Yes, Except yes. When I do the podcast or meet people who say, "Why are they not in school?" Yeah, and that was a good turning moment for me when I realized months had gone by and I hadn't even thought about like what we were doing because I had spent so much time invested in in learning it. Um, so that's really what that website is. It's it's a, I I, I um, certainly have written about unschooling and my thoughts about mainstream or uh, mainstream parenting advice, we'll say, and and all of that. Um, and I used to write about it a lot more, but but that really is about pondering how do I how do I get myself better yeah and then uh, you are not the only one who have stood a stay a place in your life where things primarily one's mental health have been challenging yeah i think we yeah. all have tried that what what are the the first couple of steps uh, when you look back you took and that you would recommend other people are taking i love this quite this is such a good question jesper and i'm so grateful you asked it when I, I'd always been, personal change was always something I was intrigued by, but I never really believed it. You know, mm-hmm. after <clears throat> when I had my mental health breakdown, it, it was bad news. I mean, it was a bad place to be. And I actually, I did go to my doctor and get medication, but I actually did not go to therapy at that point because um, it was too overwhelming. And I didn't, we were in a new place. We were in Denver. I'm from Boston and I didn't know any therapists and I couldn't, I was literally could not engage in that action of <clears throat> going and finding someone who may or may not work that whole thing. So I actually reached out to a friend of mine who had two friends of mine who had been really open about their own mental health struggles, um, and asked, for some resources. And so one friend in particular, books are a thing for me. I love to read. The, the information comes in in a really understandable way for me. So she, the very first thing she, one book I read upon her recommendation was, um, and this is an author who I had dismissed for years, and I still do not like what she says about parenting. I will say that up front, but Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's book, um, The Gift of Imperfection. It's a short, like 90 page book. And it was the first time in my life I had ever heard, it's okay that you are a fuck up. That's okay. You're still worthy. 
You're still as deserving of being on this planet and taking up space on this planet. No matter that you failed that math test when you were 12, no matter that you made these irresponsible decisions, no matter that you didn't get it at the beginning, like whatever the reasons you're still worthy. And then learning about shame. And then there was the second book that I read, um, um, Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff, N-I-E-F-F. That was another one that just in that moment when I was so low, um, allowed me to understand that the things I'd been trying to learn to do for my kids, I needed to learn how to do for myself too. Because if I didn't learn to do them for myself, I could never fully do them for my kids. So for me, it was reading. It was, it was not just reading. It was throughout every single day being aware of, wait a second, I'm in a moment where an old pattern, whether that was a self-destructive thought, whether it was a self-hate thought, whether it was a reaction to one of my kids needing me every throughout every single day, I had to be aware I'm in the moment where personal change happens. This is it. This is the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes I wanted to throw a temper tantrum in my in my within myself and say, "Fuck this! This is too. Why do I have to do this? This is too hard. I don't. I want to go back to my old patterns, right? Yeah, and just, yeah, yeah. but I yeah. finally recognized it was in that moment. And then, of course, the more moments where where I chose the personal change, I started to see the return on investment because I would start to see, oh, that did create a different outcome." in myself and Mm -hmm. in my relationships all around me. Mm -hmm. And so the more that I saw that, the more invested I became in making the change in those moments. And that, that was, those were the first steps I took reading the things that resonated for me. And I recommend those books to people all the time, the gifts of imperfection and self-compassion. I I feel like, and, and it went on. I read the book of forgiveness by Desmond Tutu, which was, I mean, I've got a whole list of, of books. That's, that's the way I intake information. Um, but those were my first steps. And just, just to take one more, one more, uh, segment here and say, I literally cannot believe who I am now. I literally cannot believe who I am now. I cannot believe how calmly I respond to things. Not all the time. Believe me, not all the time. I just, just to be very, but I I can own it way more quickly and apologize way more quickly and Mm. model to my children. You guys, I'm really sorry. I slipped there. I am really sorry. You don't deserve that. That was wrong of me. You're worthy, you know, um, so how, and how clearly I can think about things and this, this buzzword of boundaries is a real thing. How I'm able to keep those now so that people aren't, coming into my space and taking the energy that should be, and I'm not giving them my energy that should be for me and my family. So, uh, yeah. So those are the first things that I did and found extremely useful. And those were based on what a friend told me. Nice. Yeah. So one thing that's congratulations. first. Yeah. First of all, (laughs) thank you. I will take that. Thank you. Thank you. It's hard work. So I'm just thinking, I've spoken to a lot of uh, families who want to unschool. And sometimes they say, I don't think I'm a good enough person to do it. And here you are talking about having a breakdown in the middle of it. You have teenagers in your home and everything falls apart for you. And still they're not in school. And still they have no structured curriculum mandatory things to do every day i think that's a shining example just for everyone to see that you don't need to be the best version of yourself 100 percent of the time to be an unschooling parent you can be vulnerable and you can be completely off and you can be even out of it for a while you can, but it can't be your normal. No, obviously. But and I and I, you. yes, <clears throat> yes. And I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Cecile. No, no, no. I said it. It's just because I think there's. It's so easy to give up for many people. It's very easy to give up within the first three or four years. They very easily give up, and then maybe if they have teenagers and they can't really find any friends or whatever is going on, then they give up again. And 
And one of the things that make people give up is if they find, oh, but I don't have the personal strength for this. I'm in a phase in my life. I have a crisis. I don't, I don't know. I, there's something going on. I can't be the best mother. I think they might be better off with someone more resourceful. And here you are sharing a story about falling apart and getting it together again and growing from it. Yes. While not putting your kids back into the school system. <clears throat> <clears throat> which I just find a, it's a beautiful story. Of course you can't. Well, you can. I'm not sure. Maybe you can. Well, and, you can and I actually unschool and be out of it all the time. That's I, that's what I was trying to address. <laughs> and I didn't, I, that wasn't a disagreement with you. I didn't, don't want no, that no, to register no, as a disagreement yeah. with you. But yeah. I have, I have seen people who many, many people who say that they're unschooling when they're really unparenting. And oh, so yeah. one of the things that I really like to, always say is if you feel like you're not good enough you aren't either get better or make a different choice because yeah. it isn't fair to your child to you know we come from the understanding of we've delved in we've learned we're fully in it with our kids but if that is too much for you to get to make the brave decision of doing what's best for your kids because unparenting letting your kid not being involved in your kid's life is not unschooling. And it frankly gives us all a bad rap. It really oh, does. Yeah. There are too many people who are not doing anything and calling it unschooling because it can look similar if you don't know what unschooling is. <laughs> it can uh, yeah. look similar. Yeah, like yeah. it really uh, can. Then again, not. I mean, I think it's quite clear, at least if you think about it for a little while whether it's unparenting going on or unschooling going on I think maybe for the beginner viewer it could be looking like the same but I want to put a footnote on that thing about if you don't feel you can do it you probably can't and you should either get yourself together or do something else I've talked to too many women with a too low self-esteem who think they can't do it who can totally do it totally and we just have to make sure that if you don't i mean if you can get up in the morning and you can talk to them about whatever the whatever the weather <laughs> it doesn't have to be resourceful and about some uh, greek mythology if you can get up in the morning you can get dressed you can get your kids dressed you can make the meals and maybe clean up after them 80 percent uh, depending on how many toddlers are in the house uh and, and you can, you know, make the boat sail. That's actually enough. And you might feel like shit on the inside and have some demons to work with and some things going on. That's okay. That's okay. As long as you, it's not getting in the way of everything, as long as it's not a clinical depression going on for five years, but just your own self-esteem being a little to the low end. I Absolutely. On that one. So that was my footnote. And uh, you were saying something more interesting. No, I no, I, I agree. And I'm glad you put that footnote in. And it leads, I feel like, to a, a conversation of um, coming from different places in terms of what it means feeling like you can't do it. Because to me, feeling like you, you know, not being able to do it is not being able to challenge, not challenge, that sounds so aggressive, not being able to evaluate your belief systems to make the changes that you need to make in order to unschool well. If you're not able to do that, this is going to be a really hard road for you. But the other things, when people say they aren't able to unschool, I've been in another mind frames for so long. At the beginning, typically what they mean is they can't teach their kids algebra, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's yeah. real. And you're, I agree with you 100%, Cecile. And I will add to that footnote by saying that's bullshit. That is not a reason to not unschool. Mm. Your kids don't need algebra, number one. Secondly, if they want to learn algebra, you are going to find a way for them to learn algebra, period. Trust us. Yeah, it yeah. is out there. I, it I, happens. And it's not step one. <laughs> and it's not step one. It, step yeah. one is what you just said. Get up, get dressed, make breakfast, play. That's step every day, whether they're 16 or six. That's mm -hmm. step one. Yeah. Yeah. Or don't get dressed. <laughs> well, sometimes get dressed. Yeah. Yes. I think that yes. one of the... Or at least change the pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the biggest gifts of uh, being an unschooling parent 
is the connection uh, we get with our children. And then the second biggest gift is actually the connection we get with ourselves. Uh, I have grown so much on this um, on this path we have been on, and and I'm just very very happy uh, from Storm, who more than 11, 12 years ago said to us, "Mom and Dad, I don't think this school thinks is the right stuff for me." Uh, and then we ch- listened and chose not to. But the way it has changed my life, I mean, I personally, egoistically, is so grateful. My life is in all ways so much better. I'm healthier, happier. I have a better relationship with my wife. And I just love it. It's hard to understand that what you're saying is real yeah. if you haven't lived it, mm. right? If, if, if you're coming you get from- to live. That's basically it. You get to live. You're not waiting with the living until the kids fall asleep at night or waiting until the weekend or the summer break or your retirement. You get to live every day. And this living is kind of nice. It's kind of cool. <laughs> It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. amazing. And, you know, to get to get to the like, I don't know, whatever side of it you want to call. What is the cool, not the coolest. It's not the coolest, but what is a super cool thing to observe about this is how we all really do. It's not a tagline. It's not a slogan. We really do all learn every single thing we need to know by living. Yeah. Yeah. True. And that moment where you stop looking for the learning moments when you realize you haven't looked for a long time is really awesome. And then every once in a while, my kids will say something or do something. And I'm like, how did you guys, how do you know that? How do you know how to do that? And their answer is always, uh, we're a human living on this planet. And I'm like, yes, of course. (laughs) Of course, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to circle back to that. I don't know. Maybe I'm obsessing over this. You can't do it idea. Because there's another thing I just thought about. Because you said very often it's about people thinking, because I can't teach them algebra, I'm not worthy of unschooling. But I think we have a problem with social media as well that a lot of home educating families are very resourceful in making very nice videos on Instagram and Facebook. And they take pictures of homemade organic vegan ice cream that they somehow managed to get to the middle of the forest when in the middle of the summer and it's not even melted and you don't get why. And they always look like a yoga I don't know, 17 year old and they have 19 children and they all look amazing. And, and you just think, I can't do that. That's, and I yes. just think it's very important that we also get real about sometimes you just sit on your couch in your pajamas or you don't, it doesn't have to look amazing. You don't have to go on day trips or climb the mountains or to museums or. Not that we're not, do we do it all the time, but only because we feel like it. I think a lot of parents are set back by the idea about how it has to look yes, and, and realize that, you know, we're actually just watching TV all day. You know what? Just watch TV. It's okay. Yes. Netflix is great. <laughs> Eat some popcorn. Abs. And go buy a cheap ice cream in the supermarket and eat it on your couch if you want ice cream. It doesn't have to look like that. And that's another footnote. And then we can go back to that, whatever. No, I, I think that is so important and so beautiful and so, so wonderful for people to know. And it's this idea that we hear a lot. But again, it's really true. Unschooling really does look so different in every family. It can look different between siblings within a family, right? I have one child who is a massive extrovert who now at almost 16 wants to be with friends every single day of his life. I have another child who is far more introverted, likes to see friends. But so how we, my husband and I work 
together extremely closely to make sure their needs are being met on a daily basis. So even within a family, unschooling can look different. Mm-hmm. We watch a boatload of TV. We watch so much TV. So yes, yay to the T. And sure. the, they are learning the coolest shit about yeah. all sorts of things from, oh my gosh, writing and set design and all these cool things. But um, it can look so different from family to family. Mm-hmm. And when anybody tries to suggest that this is how it should look, you know they don't get it. whether they're suggesting it on their social media or telling people that this is how you do it. Because my experience is that it is a hundred percent about us working through our own stuff to be able to fully connect with our kids, to create a peaceful life with them so that we are in tune and connected with them enough to understand what they're asking us for, what they're telling us, what their needs are, that they woke up this way this day. And so the thing they had planned yesterday when they went to bed has now shifted because they're having this kind of day. And instead of having to go through two hours of fighting and conversation, we can get there so much more quickly with them. And we understand the importance of then making adjustments based on that. So it looks so different within every family. Based on so many things, resources. If we had the resources, a couple of us would travel all the time. That's all we'd do. A couple of us would not want to do that. A couple of us really like to be home, right? So it would be, yeah. Did I go off on a tangent? But I, no, I, I <laughs> no, no, you didn't. This is all, it I does ha- look. I happen to feel like mentioning social media because I think it skews the picture of how it's supposed to look because. People making uh, content for social media about their home education life very often make very beautiful content because they're passionate about making content and then it looks amazing. And those who are not and maybe don't have that very nice sofa and very yoga fit body and and do the homemade ice cream, they might feel that they are inferior as home homeschooling or unschooling parents, and I just wanted to shout out that they're not, and that it can look in so many different ways and still be the greatest life for the kids. Yeah, but I think the feeling inferior is like a global pandemic uh, these days. That it's it's, uh, and I actually believe that people who are unschooled and have been at home and have been loved unconditionally they won't become adults who feel inferior. We have done a wonderful interview with uh, Samotin, who is a grown-up unschooler, and man, the power in that woman uh, and the presence and the respect for herself, she was there. It was it was almost terrifying meeting a, a person so clear on themselves. Uh, so, so I believe that we will help grow generations of youth who do not grow up with feeling inferior but it's 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 every day it's every time they doubt on themselves it's every time we come with demands to them that that while we are evaluating them then we are breaking it down and and it's it's a it's a long process um, to get there but i and i feel that's what i said before the greatest gift with the the homeschooling for me is it has helped me to remove the, uh, not not all of them, absolutely not, but remove some of the layers of, am I good enough? Uh, because we are. And I, I hope and believe that the children we see grow up with the grown-up unschoolers I have met, I'm like, that. that's a road to success. That's what I want for my children. It's not what they do uh, or work with. I really don't care, but it's the being anchored inside themselves. That is, ah, man, I want that for my children. I believe, I love that. It is beautiful. And I do believe, as I'm, I, I am totally trusting that you two do as well, that this work that we are doing to be able to unschool well with our families, I, I believe so solidly that it is changing the world on a massive level. I really do. I believe this work that we do as parents of unschooling parents who are really invested in learning how to create this with our children, not just saying we're unschooling, but are putting the work in to be able to really unschool well. I just believe we are changing the world in a way we can't even understand. 
I actually believe we're just doing the footwork, just laying, you know, the cement yeah. under the floor because it's our kids who are going to change the world. Yeah. Because they stand but on we a, are a too. different ground. Every time we learn how to react more appropriate, how to respond instead of react. Every time we learn how to connect more deeply with our children, every time we learn how to respect what they're saying to us and hear them, I believe every one of those actions is changing the world right now. Yeah, I really yeah, do. Yeah. I, I really, that, really. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And I know that was just when you said it, that was like, yeah, and I still have stuff to learn. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> To be clear, like how many more ways can we say how imperfect we are and we don't think we're better than anybody and we've got we mess up every day, like all those disclaimers that you want to put on something better than the majority. Yeah, you think that the choice is better. I I believe in my choice. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I don't believe I'm a better, I'm more worthy human being or anything like that. But I do believe that what we do is better than not doing it. I I do believe that. Otherwise, I wouldn't yeah. invest all that in unschooling. No, a lot of hours. Yeah, good hours. A lot. Again, of good we hours. try to keep our podcast uh, around an hour, so we should kind of uh, round it up. Uh, round it up. Okay. We didn't even talk about teenagers. We wanted to talk oh, about teenagers. We do a second round and talk about teenagers. <laughs> we will do a I would... whole teenager uh, talk. Teenage talk. Yeah. I would love to do that. Actually, you said before we start about talk about teenagers, let me just say this. <laughs> and now an hour just flew by. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We so we have one on teenagers. We, we should. Great. Yeah. Okay. So, so then, um, wow. for people who want to get to read some of the stuff you have done and get to know you, can you tell a little more about what they can find on your website? And again, name the name the website and also your oh, show, social media channels. Thank you, Jess, Jesper. Um, my, I don't really write very much there any at all, but PonderingGen.com. And I do sometimes write on Facebook um, under the same page, Pondering Jen. I also have a podcast that isn't about unschooling. It's It's called Real Women's Work. It started because of a question my daughter asked. So there isn't a little bit of an unschooling connection there, but it started talking about specifically how women work and it's sort of evolved into um, this kind of work, the mental work that we do as well. So now it's a combination of those things. So real women's work and ponderinggen.com. I haven't been doing a ton with either, um, but there's some stuff there that people could check out for sure. Thank you for for, for asking that we'll question. Put it in uh, the notes. And we will also put the links the to the books the you books. recommend. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And then we'll get back to you on the teenage question. Yes, we will. My favorite. Oh. It was a pleasure was having pleasure. you and a wonderful talk. Thanks a lot for your time. I'm so glad that I got to meet you both, Cecile and Jesper. Hi, and I just, again, so thank you for doing this work and living this example. There's, <laughs> there's likewise. just... Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing better than having real people to to learn from and watch and get insight into how they're doing this and making it work. So thank you. And thank you for talking to us. It's been fun. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you liked it, then please share it with all your friends and family. We would also love it if you gave our podcast a review. Thanks. And if you want to support our podcast and work, then you can find us on patreon.com slash the Conrad family. We will continue to travel full time. And if you want to tag along, then please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Conrad family. And you can also read more than 100 blog posts on our website, theconrad.family. Until next time, make a wonderful day. Thank you. <laughs>